Welcome to the Self-Made Mind Podcast. We'll be bringing you real-life, honest conversations with some of the world's elite performers, from sporting athletes to millionaire CEOs and everyone in between. Success leaves clues. And it's now our mission to deliver these stories so you can start writing your own self-made script. Hello, guys. Welcome to the first ever episode of the Self-Made Mind podcast. My name's Alex O'Keefe. And I'm Craig Billington. And we thank you all for for tuning in and uh, joining the journey with us today. Um, We've got a a very special guest joining us for our first ever episode. His name is uh, Oscar Chalupski. He's um, a 12-time surf ski world champion. He's a former South African Olympic team team captain in 1992 in Barcelona uh, and at the moment he's fighting his, his biggest ever battle which is an incurable cancer. The guy's an absolute inspiration and, and some of the some of the stuff he he says in this interview is 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 just priceless and I think it's it's gonna be a good one to open and, and just really delve into the you know the success leaves clues that's that's what it's all about and hopefully we can pass pass on a lot of information to you guys through through these inspirational stories uh craig what did you think uh, think of the interview yeah i mean you'll you'll hear me say it in in the interview like it, it it left me a little bit speechless with uh with some of the information and and some of the things he was saying um and not just from the sporting side of things like the guys met i mean the guys met nelson mandela and and that alone is an achievement <laughs> but just to to say he was left with this incurable cancer and he's still fighting a, fighting against it is something yeah <laughs> something that just left me speechless it was, yeah. it was mad so yeah. Yeah. yeah okay guys without further ado um let's get on with it um if if you can if if you enjoy the episode and would be very appreciative if you could leave us a review on apple podcasts uh, it's just going to help us get it to a wider audience and um, yeah, we're, we're really excited to, to get this journey underway. So uh, yeah, let's do it. Welcome to the podcast, Oscar. How are you doing? Very well, uh, Alex and uh, Craig. Thank you very much for great uh, for having me. And it's always a privilege to impart some knowledge over my 57 years of uh, competing and racing and, and, and basically making what Again, it's always in your own uh, mind, the success of life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's a pleasure pleasure to have you uh, with us this evening, Oscar. And um, if you'd just like to just share with, you, you've just shared a quite an important milestone with us just before we came on here, Oscar. Can you just share that with, with the guys listening? Well, today, one exactly one year ago on the, on the 25th of November, uh, I was diagnosed with, uh, well, actually, I wasn't, at that stage, I was just uh, had a huge tumor in my spine, mm-hmm. and they realized, well, this is a secondary tumor, and we've got to find out the, what the primary tumor is and what the primary cancer is. We know it's cancer, and you've got four to six months to live because it's already spread. It's all over the place. So you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. And that's one year ago, and, and it's also one year uh, before... I mean, one day before my wife's 60th birthday, which I'd organized a fancy um, uh, going out to a nice restaurant in a fancy hotel in Porto, Portugal. And you can imagine she was fairly upset, which I couldn't understand. Mm. And uh, she said, no, no, I'm not going to do it. I can't sleep. I can't do anything. I can't have my 60th. And lo and behold, I got my way. And I said, listen, I'm still alive. I could have had a heart attack and you wouldn't know anything. And here I am, uh, I'm alive and let's live every day as, as we should. And, and that's a, a big story in life. And mm. basically I said, okay, we're going to have that 60th birthday party. And we did have it and it went off very well. And, and you forget these bad things in life sooner than you think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's, that's amazing. That's just a uh-huh. straight away a, a good uh, example of your strong mindset there, shall we say. Um, so yeah, Oscar, whereabouts are you in the world at the minute then? Right at the moment, I'm in Durban, South Africa, which is, it's basically summer here and it's humid and hot and, and, 
a bit of wind and things like that. And, and mm-hmm. I've just flown back from uh, Portugal where I was on Saturday, yeah. uh, where I had some good news about they can look after me at, at a much better rate than anywhere else in the world. So that's also good news. And, and now tomorrow is my wife's birthday. So yeah. a lot of her fa- family and friends are in Durban, South Africa, which is on the east coast of South Africa. And it's very warm. It's like yeah. Bali or one of those subtropical, uh, tropical oh, yeah. places. Yeah. So it's not bad. Yeah. We, we might have to get a, a, a flight across and spend spend it with your wife if that's okay because it's very yeah. cold where we are. I <laughs> know, it's very cold. <laughs> yeah, we were up at, well, it's, what time is it now? Seven, six o'clock? Yeah. We were up at half five this morning on a run and it was like four degrees or something. It was yeah. No way, that's too cold. That's too cold for me. <laughs> yeah, it was about 27 most of the day. Oh. Oof. Well, that's the life that. Oh, you've got it. <laughs> you've got it good there, mate. Yeah. Um, yeah. So obviously, we'll we'll deep we'll delve uh, delve in deeper to the to the uh, you know the unfortunate story of the big C later on, uh, Oscar. But let's if if we can, mate, if we can go back to the the start of start of your story, Oscar, and just take us through kind of your childhood and 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 your upbringing, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as I say, I started, I mean, I wasn't uh, from a wealthy family. My father was a national kayaker from Germany and came to South Africa after the war. And thank goodness he only changed his uh, passport after we were born. Otherwise, we couldn't have got German passports and traveled around the world because he gave up his his German passport to get a South African passport to go to the Olympics. So obviously he was a very famous and he was the sort of the father of kayaking and surf ski paddling around wow. South Africa. And then I just t- took it on. I mean, so I, I was much bigger than most boys at my age. And at so my first claim to fame at age 14, I was in the national scene for surf lifesaving, lifeguarding, kayaking. So, I, I was a bit of a freak in my age, so and, and that's how long I've been competing since 14 years old, and that was my first trip to Huntington, to Huntington Beach, California, was my first in my international team where I was such a young guy competing, and that's when I started my whole career. And then, and then from there, I also in, in, in lifeguarding, there's a thing called an Ironman, which is the original Ironman, not the Ironman, which is the cycling. I did that as well. But my, the original Ironman that comes out of Australia is swimming, board paddling. It's like on, a, on your knees or lying down, board paddling and surf ski paddling and running. And I was the first person in the world in, in, uh, to win the junior and the senior. So at 15, I beat all the juniors and beat all the seniors. And funny enough, I did that in March. And another guy called Grant Kenny, and you can Google him. Grant Kenny is a very famous guy in Australia. He did it one month later. So my whole life was about winning this junior and senior Ironman, and then he won it a year later. And funny enough, when I won it, it wasn't like a big, it was a big thing in South Africa, and it probably made the newspapers, but in Grant, when Grant Kenny did it, it made South African TV, and we only had one channel in those days. Oh. And he made <laughs> South African TV, and I didn't make it, and I'd done it first. Why, yeah. why, why, did, why did he make it and you not make it onto the TV then? It's just, it's just one of those things. Uh, Australia, surf lifesaving in Australia is one of the biggest sports. In fact, I think cricket's first and surf lifesaving is second and, and then rugby and rugby league and American, uh, I mean, Australian football is behind surf lifesaving. So they have, so it's a very big thing and, and obviously they picked up the story. South Africa is a very water sport orientated country mm-hmm. and, and funny enough, so he's about three months younger than me and that was the, the start of me trying to become an international sportsman as opposed to just racing against in South Africa, although they would never let it happen because of apartheid. And, and you guys are probably a bit young to know that I couldn't compete for the national team to compete anywhere in the world. They would never let, let, me, let us compete. So in the prime of my time, I wasn't allowed to compete. In fact, when I went over to compete against Grant Kenny in 1983, um, I was competing for Germany and then I raced this race, the Molokai Channel, which is between two islands of Molokai and Oahu. It's 52 kilometers, 32 miles across there. And I knew Grant Kenny was going to race because they try to make us compete. And 
because of apartheid, they said, no way, you, you can't compete to South Africa. No, Australia can come into South Africa and you can't go to Australia. Mm-hmm. So in, uh, in this race from Molokai to Oahu be- between these two islands, he had won it four years in a row. So I had this opportunity. He said, no, he's definitely going to come to this race. And that's when I raced him. And that's the first time I actually met him. I didn't even know him. And, uh, and that race was 1983. And I managed to beat him by 15 minutes. So it wasn't even close. I beat him by miles. Even it's three and a half hours. But I mean, I still beat him by 15 minutes. So it wasn't close to see who was the best lifeguard or surf life-saving person in the world. So that's where it started. And obviously, in between, I was doing a lot of competing uh, in water polo. I was in, in the national junior team for water polo. I was playing tennis. I'm, I'm one of those people who just love competing. And my whole thing is to compete, whether it's against my Garmin GPS trying to get to Windermere or whether it's swimming or squash or tennis or mm-hmm. just, just I'm just a competitive person in life. You know, I like to do, do the best I can. Yeah. And, and compete. So that's how it started. And obviously I became a bit of a South African household legend because I kept on doing it. So I raced that race in 1983 and I won my 12th one in 19, 2012, 30 years later, 29 years later, still beating the top guys in the world wow. at 49 years old. <laughs> so I've had a long span. So somebody said, yeah. hey, you better get you better get this recipe. There's not many people that have be, become world champions at 49. Mm. I mean, Brockers do it, and, and and they don't get close, but they get to like 47, 45. And I did a 49 against the guy who came second was a three-time Olympic gold medalist, a silver medalist. So he came second, 15, 15 seconds uh, behind me in a time of three hours, 23 minutes, which is funny enough, it's the same time I did. In 1983, so at 49, I was still getting the same speed as. So you've not lost a second over over 29 years. <laughs> wow. No, no, no. no ex- exactly. So in, in between that, because our sport is not a, a serious, uh, there's no money. I mean, Beckham mm. Beckham makes in uh, one second what I earn in a year from my sport. It's, it's more for passion and and doing well as opposed to the the money side of it you know it, it obviously is i'm in, involved in the in the side of manufacturing kayaks in portugal and things like that but it's purely it just takes really mind of a matter to win these races you're not going to get rich from it so mm-hmm. and again i had a long story of of all the businesses i had to start and make money to support my hobby or interest or whatever you like and my whole family. So yeah. that's why it's, it's a sort of a balanced life I've had over these 58 years, coming for 58 years. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah that's a, that is a, <laughs> like just the whole, the whole 49 years old. And then the first one, how old were you when you won the first one? 20. 20. Wow. So you competing, you started competing at 15 Won your first one at 20, won the last one at 49. Wow. Um, so in terms of like training-wise, at 15 years old, like is, is your parents, like is your dad there? Is he, is he going, right, come on, you've that's, got That's a good go question. Out. I mean, interesting, yeah, my father is from German descent. So, and he's one of those people that says, listen, no, I'll, I'll help you whatever you want to get good. But whenever you do anything, you better do it the best of your ability. Don't. So I used to train at like early in the morning, six o'clock in the morning. I was on the, on the he used to say, okay, we're going to be at the swimming pool at six. At quarter to six, the car's leaving, whether you're in it or not. If you don't get in it, he goes and he does it himself and he doesn't worry. So that was the whole thing I'd learned. I learned right at the beginning, you have to really concentrate on achieving. The only way you're going to achieve is number one, Number one, the most important thing is not uh, building the foundation, but laying out the plans. Mm-hmm. So he says, listen, you better plan because yeah. this is not going to happen. Nothing's going to happen if you don't write it down and say, okay, I'm going to do this and this and this. And, and, he, and, and again, with German position, he, he forced that sort of way of, of thinking that if you're going to do it, might as well do it properly. It probably takes the same amount of time, but if you don't do it properly, then you have to do it again and then it's going to take 
twice the time. So that he definitely instilled in me. And again, my training regime was fairly tough. I mean, I, I would, I, I think of some days where I'd wake up at 3.30 in the morning, train for four or five hours, go to work, lunchtime do a session, go back to work, and then evening do a session, and then finish 10 o'clock, and then and, and do a bit of waiting uh, at, uh, at a restaurant, and then cycle home 25 kilometers in the middle of the night, and then start the day again, you know? So <laughs> it's no, there's no easy way of doing it, no. you know? But there's a clever, always a clever way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The, the thing that strikes me there, Oscar, uh, it, like you said, the, there wasn't a great, say, monetary, you know, reward for doing it. So it's got to come from, where does, where does the drive come from for you then? Yeah, I mean, it's, it was very interesting because when I first won, like, junior and senior Ironman, when people come to Gretchen, I said, that's what I expected, you know. It was like, and then the one guy, i never forget, his name was Teddy Bear Patterns. He said, listen, Oscar, when somebody congratulates you, you must say thank you. And I understand, I'm 15 years old. I just won the biggest <laughs> thing in the world. And the people are congratulating, I think, what for? I thought this is part of the deal. You must win everything you do, you know. So, <laughs> so that was like a sort of, maybe, not really a turning point, but it was something that my whole life was about winning. And, and, and how to win and and what it took to win and that's in every aspect of my life in everything mm -hmm. family uh health yeah um competing anything was about winning as always it's just so there was something that sparked it in those few early years that maybe like so competitive competitive some people get like very cross how can you be so competitive all the time i said well it's just my nature and, and it rubs off, you know, some people can take it and, and, and they use it to inspire themselves and, and give themselves hope and hope. And, and that's something that I've seen in my cancer fight where I've had a lot of uh, publicity about it and things like that. A lot of people reach out and say, hey, you've given us so much hope. You make life easier for us, you know, because you're doing it and you're sharing it. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So in terms of like, so you've, <laughs> I, can't get, I can't get over the 15 year old thing, that's brilliant. Um, so <laughs> as in terms of childhood and growing up, what like the sacrifices you must have made, like friendships, just like, is it just literally I'm, I'm going solo or did, were there friends there helping you along the way or? No, I, I was very much uh, one of those people that were really concentrating, really focused. So I didn't drink or anything till I was 25. Uh, and, I, and, I, and again, I was in team sports playing in water polo where everybody had drinks and everything. I said, no, no, I'm not drinking. No. So those kind of things, I made sacrifices in that way. I was still fairly a uh, friendly person and, and, and always helped people out and did things, but I was super competitive. And I think most of the sacrifices were, I, I wouldn't be going out at night to go and have a party or anything like that. I would be training because the next day I'm going to wake up at 4.30 and do a four-hour session. You know? So yeah. you, you, you miss out on those things, but you can catch up very fast. And as my wife said, I didn't drink for the first up till 25, but I'm catching up very fast now. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're making up for them lost years, are you? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I probably haven't taken those lost, lost years. <laughs> Brilliant. Excellent. Um, so, yeah, we just kind of want to finish like your story then Oscar so I think we we got up to where you'd, you'd, you'd won the um, the last world title could you could you tell us about your experience with the Olympic team oh yeah and that was also fun I mean because what happened so in fact going let's just take one step before the Olympics so understand that 1983 I won my first world championship title and I won seven in a row so I beat that guy Grant and he came second every time Nice. And he gave up, and then bet, other people tried to compete again. I bet he loved yeah, you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened was that that after seven years, listen, what happened is that I was banned again because this time they were serious. No, you're living in South Africa, you're training in South Africa, you cannot race in this race. We've got the Olympics in America, you can't train. So in 1990, they banned me after seven years in a row. I won that race, World Championships. They banned me and they said, no, no, you're not allowed to compete because you're living in South Africa and you're training in South Africa. You can't do it. Mm. We're not allowing you in this race. Mm -hmm. And then again, and then this is sort of a mind of a matter thing. I said, okay, 
instead of sobbing and carrying on and complaining and carrying on, I took up golf. Right. So I went from 24 to a scratch in one year. <laughs> at the end of the year, at the end of the year, I was playing golf with one of the richest men in the world, this guy named Graham Beck, and you're going to go and look it up. He, he's got a great champagne or MCC uh, champagne in South Africa. And he said, listen, Oscar, in three days' time, if you can break par at a golf club called Clavelli, I'll pay for you, your wife, Claire, and your son, Luke, to go to David Ledbetter for a whole year. All expenses paid. And believe me, he's worth billions, mm -hmm. and he could afford it. And his mother died. Uh, the day before, and all bets were off. So he said, no, no I'm not doing it. So uh, instead of being a pro golfer, I'm still paddling. And so that worked, that happened, you know. So that was 1990. And then, and then when Nelson Mandela was released, so the apartheid thing started falling down. So we, we had the opportunity to race in the Olympics. So obviously being, being very well known in South Africa, I was sort of the South African Olympic captain of mm. the whole team. And the whole team. Yeah, and then made the speeches and chatted to Nelson Mandela and all those kind oh, of things. Oh. And, and, uh, and it was really good. But at the end of the day, to train for the Olympics in a year and a half where I was doing long-distance races wasn't great. Mm. So, in fact, funny enough, the guy who won the 1,000-meter K1, a guy called Clint Robinson, an 18-year-old, who won the 1,000-meter gold medal at Barcelona, where I was at, I raced him six months later and I beat him. Right. And I said, what the hell? My, my coaches aren't that good. I'd rather stick to my coaching and I'm going to coach the way I think should be coached. Yeah. And funny enough, that guy, Clint Robinson, at 18 in 1992, raced against me and I beat him about 30 minutes in the Molokai. He came second in 2012 to me. Wow. Uh, and after winning Olympic golds, a couple of Olympic golds, a couple of Olympic silver. So it's a very small world. But the bottom line is I never let anything phase me. So when I was thrown out of the world title, I went back and won a lot of lot more races and eventually won my 12th world title at age 49, beating Clint Robinson that uh, killed me in 1992. And again, it was fun. I mean, there was Caldus era, the Ben Johnson era, the Boris Becker era. So you met all the guys and everybody was down to earth and, and on the same level as you, you know. Even yeah. though I was in a Mickey Mouse sport, and they were in a, in a really good sports, you know, so we'd make money. Where yeah. I was doing it for passion and for the love, and and sort of, and and funny enough, one of the things that I really do it is that I enjoy life a lot. And if you hear about it, I enjoy going out, having drinks, having fun, and and the reason why I train so hard is that I can have more fun if I train hard and and yeah. and work on my on my on my on my athletic ability, it just gives me more time to have fun and enjoy it. And to the winning is always the fun part as well. You know? yeah. And again, I understand you, you don't win all the time. I never won all the time, but I won a lot. Mm. So that's, and Olympics is, was a rude awakening where I was in the K4, four-man kayak, and we ended up coming, getting blown out in the semifinals. And you think, eh, this is not right. I don't like coming not making the final of an event. Yeah, so that was a rude awakening, but it was good to meet uh, Nelson Mandela at the time and all these famous sportsmen, but I don't really like going to a race to come second or third or fourth no. or have no chance. No. Did you, uh, so obviously you've gone through a, a couple of setbacks in, in that kind of um, section of your life there, Oscar. Um, can you just kind of explain the mindset you you took on to to get to get over the other side of the setbacks, basically. Yeah, I mean the the big thing about setbacks, and and you're going to have lots of them in your life. Everybody's going to have lots of them, no matter who you are. You can be Beckham, you can be the Queen. I don't care who you are. You're going to have setbacks, and it's how you manage them is the is the most important thing. So overcoming the odds is something that you're going to have to do. Everybody's going to do in a small way, you know. Yeah. So to give you an example, first. So I'm, as I say, they said, no, you can't compete. So I said, okay, I'm going to take up another sport and took up golf. And then uh, you, i never forget, I was racing in Spain in, in Asturias province where quite a few English people go. There's a big festival. The biggest kayak race in the world is in, in River de Sela. And the, the one year we arrived, we get to the airport. And this is the national South African national team. We get to the airport. 
we come into a race for the Silla Descent and we're going to win this race and we're going faster than my racing with my brother. And they say, no, but you're a week late. They got the dates wrong. So we missed oh. the whole race. And we raced and, and we arrived on the Monday. The race was on the Saturday. And then we, there was a whole, it was a whole week of racing and we won every single race. Oh. So we would have won that race. And, we, and, and again, so I put that behind me. We went back a year later in 1986. I went back and raced that race, the biggest race in the world, where when you, when you win the race, your name gets carved into the bridge at the finishing of, of the, the finish post. Mm. And my, my father won it in 1969 uh, with his partner, and we, my brother and I won it in 1986. So oh, wow. we missed the race. But back, I came back in 1986 and listen, I'm not going to lose this race again. Mm -hmm. So again, so it's, it's what you do. And, and the whole thing is, in life, I think the most important thing is don't worry about things that you can't change. Don't worry about it. In fact, my whole saying is, Try and worry, go into the toilet and worry and see what in the world changes. Nothing. Mm -hmm. Worrying doesn't help anybody. Yeah. Either do it or don't worry about it. Worrying is the stupidest word in the world because worry doesn't achieve anything. Just go into the toilet and worry and see if anything changes. You get out and still the toilet doesn't work or still you're having problems with finances and still these things happen. I mean, it happens to me. I mean, even though I've been successful in business, I went through a space, stage where I couldn't pay my daughter's private school fees. So they said, no, you can't go to school. I said, okay, so what? I'm one of those people, I'll always pay. But if you don't want my daughter to go to school, but I couldn't afford to pay the fees, mm. she stayed at home. And I just made a joke about it. Huh. They don't want my money. They don't think I'm going to pay. It's fine. Stay at home. Yeah. Of course. You, you learn to live with these things. At the end of the day, I paid my money and she's all fine. She went to the nice private school and carried on. But again, you've got to just, if there's nothing you can do about it. So I didn't have the money, but I made a plan and within three or four days had the money and as, as I promised and did it, you know. But don't think that any of these problems in your life are just going to go away. You've got to do something about it. You yourself. And don't just wait for it to like manifest and fester because that's what happens. Problems just get worse and worse and worse. Yeah. Take them on. It's, my wife gets so mad. I said, listen, won't you uh, do this wing? I'll do it just now. I, don't feel, I said, do it right now because if you do it right now, it's done and it's out of your world, you know, and yeah. it's done and you don't have to worry about it again. Yeah. 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 Taking massive action, I think. That's yeah. What it's down Hello, to yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, Going back to your last win, 49 years old, right? How has training changed from your first win? Like, I'm talking, because you can't be doing the same. Can't be the no, same. you're not doing the same. You have, to be, you have to be a lot smarter because let me tell you, I'm not as strong and as fast and as, as, and, and as sort of endurance-wise mm. as a 25-year-old when you're 49. No. You would no. use this and a lot less of this, you yeah. know, and that's what it takes, you know, so, and, and, I've, and I've noticed that in life, is that if you take the right tuition and the right coaching, you can achieve a lot more mm. than people that just hammer on the same line, and, and I always talk about this, is that people train and they get fitter, 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 and then they get to a plateau and you see lots of people and you, you guys are running and things like that. And they stay like this, they never improve. Why don't they improve? Because they don't improve their technique. So I've worked out that I spend much more time than when I was young and so strong that I, I used to just arrive in a race and I said, I'm going to win by I don't know how far. Mm. Uh, you guys are all racing for second place because I was so much physically fitter, but I wasn't smarter. No. And what happens is you get smarter. And, and, and there's an old saying, practice makes, and you'll say it, perfect. perfect. Yeah. Which is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> which is wrong. Practice makes permanent. Mm -hmm. So if you're not practicing the right thing all the time, you're going to go backwards. And I've got lots of people. They practice all the time and they do everything and they get, actually they, they, they get fitter, but they get slower because their technique gets worse. Yeah. yeah, and about life is you got to re, sort of recalibrate yourself all the time. So make sure I'm doing it the right way, yeah. and that's what I've done a lot of. So in in a, in a normal day in in uh, in training when I was at 23, 
every training session was a race. And I made sure I won every single training session. I beat everybody. But at age 49, let me tell you, your body can't take the punishment. So then you go two things. Number one, you concentrate on technique. So you make your technique so good that, that you can beat the people with skill and not with force. Yeah. And that's number one. And then, and then a lot of training in those days, as I said, were flat out. And now I, I use the math, MAF method, method Phil Mathetone method, which is, is basically always at subpar. So you're always training at subpar. It's called math, MAF, it stands for maximum aerobic function, which is basically, to give your listeners an idea, is 180 minus your age. And you just do it that, like that all the time. Mm-hmm. And at my age, and, and remember that, in 49, I won, but at 55, I won a race in, in uh, Guadeloupe, 55, and the next guy was 25. <laughs> at 55. So I was still winning, and I'm, I'm still winning. And again, it's because of this and not because of uh, uh, the power. And it's again, so basically, you recalibrate your life. And, and you've all heard the saying uh, older people are smarter. It's just because they've learned better ways of doing things, yes. smarter ways of doing things. And that's what I did in sport. And I've done that in every sport is worked out how to, and that's what I teach people as well to say, listen, don't spend, perfect example, people could just go running and they run 10 Ks. They think they're doing well, but I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to do that. That's not right. Let's run and let's concentrate. Oh, how am I stepping on my foot? Am I pronating and supinating? Am I doing this? Let's do five days a week of that and let's see how we can improve where, but people just go out there to, to sort of just show how much they are and how good they are, where I just change. And I said, no, no, I'm, and I can spend seven days a week just doing technique mm. and come the race, my technique's so engraved that I can go so fast because of good technique and using my brain power as opposed to my brawn power. Mm-hmm. Oh, Amazing. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Just taking on the advice as you're saying it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of thinking that I'm, I'm one of those guys that's just going out and, and running aimless 10Ks at the minute. <laughs> uh. But uh, no, yeah. Um, yeah, it's amazing advice, Oscar, for people that are listening. Um, so would, would you say that you're as hungry now as you, are, as you were back when you first started competing? Yeah, I think it's nothing. Nothing's actually changed, except now I'm sort of the hunger has changed to, to fighting this uh, incurable cancer, and it's a very expensive cancer. To give you an example, the pool, the maintenance pool that I have to go, will cost five to five thousand euros or five thousand pounds a month to keep me alive. Yeah. So, and again, most medical aids don't even cover it, and most medical insurance don't cover it. So. So I'm putting a lot of effort into raising funds for South Africa. There's a lot of people that haven't got the money to actually afford this. So they basically roll over and die. So, and it's, it is, in a way, I've had a lot of uh, support from people around the world uh, supporting my pledge and saying, okay, this is a good thing that you made it public. But I also, it's terrible. I get the emails where the guy says, well, I've got to buy the medicine or food. What do I do? Yeah. I can't afford both. And and you just know they're just in a battle and, and they're going nowhere. So I've started a multiple myeloma foundation in South Africa in, an, in a non-profit organization to help raise funds for these things. And again, it's my mission to become one of the best at doing it and raising money for other people. And, and again, my next ambition, because I can't go so fast, my heart rate is fairly high, I plan to break the world 24-hour kayaking record, which stands now. It was just broken last week at 224 kilometers in 24 hours in the ocean. And I plan to do that. Yeah, so I plan to do that soon uh, as I just build up. Yeah. Soon make it quite, uh, I'd like to do 300 kilometers in 24 hours. In fact, one of my goals is to paddle from Porto to Lisbon, which is 300 kilometers. Oh. in 24 hours yeah months well, do, you, do you know what Oscar if, if there's one guy that's going to do that I think it's going to be you yeah <laughs> yeah it's been a bit tough I mean let me tell you this cancer wasn't tough when I when I was in the hospital for three weeks and I was in COVID hospital so you see nobody see no family and it's, it's a terrible 
place to be. I hate, uh, there's my wife in the background sitting down. Oh, Mrs. Chilopska. <laughs> Claire, yeah. Hi, Claire. She she's hiding and she's right in the view. <laughs> You know, it doesn't matter. Nobody's worried. Uh, yeah, so, so I mean, and it's amazing. So where I was when I came out of the hospital, I could only walk for 800 meters. That was the maximum. And that 800 meters took me ages. And then it took me a day to recover, sleeping and resting to recover. I was sweating after 800 meters walking. Yeah. So I progressed a long way in, in that time and a year later to... Yeah overcome it and I think I'm just I'm slowly improving but again this is a disease that's not curable so mm. I'm going to go into heavy regime again of, of I had, in fact yesterday I had a bone marrow biopsy which is a, a case is a hand drill with a three millimeter drill bit and they go into your bone to, mm. and they go through and the guy said jeez your bones are like stone <laughs> because you get given this hardening and 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 you must see the guy sweating and pouring trying oh. to get in to get into the middle of the bone to take the bone marrow out yeah. so they can do a bone marrow biopsy. So, yeah, just, I, yeah, yeah. so I don't know the results as yet, but yeah. as I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm slowly getting stronger and stronger and, and I'm trying to make my life as normal as possible. And I think that's uh, another thing in life is to try and make your life as normal. But there's going to be lots of times when, and especially with COVID and you guys are yeah, semi in lockdown, it's, it's going to be tough. But yeah. there's always some person that's doing it tougher than you. Just remember that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the bone marrow thing, I've just, just seen on your Twitter now. I've, I've followed you on Twitter and I've just seen that you've had it done. And I was just like, wow. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you come on here and, and, you know, I'm complaining complaining this morning about getting up at half five. <laughs> and, and you're saying, and you're going, well, I'm fighting. Like, most people are just give up. Most people are go, well, it's incurable. I'm giving up. And you're there, year later, fighting. Yeah, getting going, stronger. Getting stronger, and I'm about to do 300k on a, on a kayak, <laughs> and it's like, whoa, you know what I mean? Maybe I need to start getting up more and and doing more. I think because yeah, this is um, just the, sometimes you get a life changing moment, and I think at 30 years old now, um, it's a life changing moment for me. So you know, it's I, as as much as people are listening, I'm also listening. So it's nice to be able to just learn from somebody going through something much, much worse than what normal people are going through. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and that's my whole legacy. I've spent my whole life teaching and coaching people. And I hope, it, and I, again, obviously you, you get some success stories where I've, I've reached out to a lot of people, coach growth, whether it's in health, fitness, whatever, mm. to try and show them it can be done and how it's done. And, uh, and I think that's, the legacy that you want to leave is that you don't do it just for yourself. You help all your fellow people and drag them along and hopefully drag them higher than lower. You know? Yeah. Pull people up. That's what it's all about. Um, so is, is legacy important to you, Oscar? Actually, not really because I'm one of the worst people. I can't, I don't even remember what wins and what losses. I'm just one of those people that go through life. Uh, and now I'm, I'm writing a book with a, a famous author, Graham Spence, who actually lives in the, in the north of London. And, uh, we, and, and, and uh, that's the, the, my next sort of thing. I'm, I'm writing this book just to, and again, my book, I want to make it a life story, but helping people. So every chapter will be some life lesson that I can impart on people to make them better. Yeah. So it's going to be in the first person, which is not normal for a book, and, and teaching people what I've learned in the way, how to handle adversity and how to handle uh, roadblocks and potholes in, in, the, yeah. in the road. So that's yeah. one of the things. And, and, and what I have started, and again, procrastination is a hard thing, but again, also having lots of... Uh, doing lots of things. Uh, I'm, I'm also going to do public speaking on sort of how to accomplish that, uh, what I've achieved in my life in such a long time. I mean, not many people have had a, a lifespan of nearly 40 years at the top of your sport. I mean, in fact, there's not many in the world. And and I'm there to help and teach and, and doing, and I'm going through a company called Missing Link, who's we, we sort of devising a, a, a talk that's going to help him not only in business, in private, in health, in family, and all those things that make 
your life uh, a whole, you know. So that's mm. what I'm working on. Mm. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to to ask Oscar, like, what 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 has having an incurable, you know, incurable illness taught you about life in in general? Would you say? You know, it's it's one of those things. Rather put it out your mind and go through life full out, uh, enjoy it, make sure that you live every moment of your life. Because as I say, you never know what it is. And I think having this incurable uh, disease at the moment, my objective and my goal is to live long enough to them, for them to find a cure. So that's the first thing. So mm-hmm. I've got to just make sure I'm strong and I've got to watch out for COVID and I've got to sort of be healthy and keep training just about every day. I still train and things mm-hmm. like that to keep myself ready so that there, there's going to be a cure. And, and again, something, as I said before, is that you can only do things that you can change. The rest you can't change. So I can't change this. The only way I'm going to change them finding this cure is by helping them fund, fund it. So that's what I'm going to do and, and put my name to multiple myeloma funding so that I can hopefully help in the, in the way of monetary or being a guinea pig to see how we can uh, find a cure. So just, you know, as I say, it's, it's funny. My wife always says, oh, I can't believe you've got this incurable cancer, but I don't feel like I'm living with a person with incurable cancer. Mm. And, that's, and, that's, and that's the positive thing. You don't want to pull other people down and you don't, want to, you don't want to make your problems theirs, you know. Rather just be positive and, and carry on. And I think that's what I'm trying to portray in my Twitter feeds and my Facebook and Instagram, I'm always trying to make sure that people are upbeat of, of what I had as opposed to be feeling sorry for me. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Is, um, just normally I've got so much to ask and so many questions. I'm not, I'm just, I'm a little bit lost for words to be honest. It's brilliant. Honestly, yeah. it is. It's a bit of a one off. Um, so in terms of like living with uh, incurable cancer, obviously, so it's been, like you say, it's been a year to this day. Um, you've got to have bad days. Is there no? You've got to have bad days. You wake up one day and think, you know what? I'm feeling a little bit sluggish today, or, or is it just literally wake up and I'm going for it? I'm grinding. I'm, you know. Yeah, that's a question. It's funny enough. A lot of people say, "Oh no, you don't worry. You watch. He will go down, and he's going to be bad, and he's yeah. going to be feeling sorry for himself." Mm-hmm. No. I just don't believe in that. I mean, uh, and, and Claire can have any bad days, Claire? No bad days. No. <laughs> yeah. No bad days. Because I mean, at the end of the day, if you just wake up, it's a good day. Mm. When you've got an incurable cancer and you just wake up, it's a good day. So <laughs> off you go. And then let me tell you, I've had days when I wake up and think, jeez, what have they done to me? Because I'm like so buggered. Mm. And here's a guy that can normally wake up at four o'clock in the morning and go and run. 30Ks and then paddle 60 and then cycle 100 and, and swim 10Ks and then have, that's the last day for me. And then suddenly you get out of bed and think, gee, what have they done to me? I'm so weak, so useless. Mm. But uh, I haven't had any, I've had bad days, mm. but it doesn't make me, affect me. I mean, when I was in hospital, I mean, when they gave me five days of chemo in a row before they did the trans- my bone marrow transplant. I was completely dead. Like, I mean, you, you, you struggle to get out of the bed. You've got no chance, you know? Mm-hmm. And you just say, mm, well, this is what they said is going to happen and you've got to push through. So uh, bad days, I don't believe bad days. I mean, if you wake up and uh, even you've got a headache or something, you say, okay, well, I'll work it out. Because I, I don't even believe in headaches because I think that's all in the mind. You know, mind, so I, said, I don't believe in headaches. Uh, so I don't, if, some, if I get a headache, I just say, no way. How can you have a headache? It's all in the mind. Yeah. And I make sure all headaches disappear. That's mm-hmm. why I never have any hangovers, which is probably a problem. <laughs> wow. I wish, yeah, I wish, I wish we could have that superpower as well. <laughs> I mean, no, you've got the power. Everybody's got the power. I think everybody's got the power. It's just how you... Uh, sort of channel it and focus it to to achieve things, you know. And I think everybody's got it. I mean, I'm not superhuman. I'm just a normal person that's gone through life normally and just had this passion and obsession. I think that's 
maybe that's something is that is that if you want to do something you've got to be obsessed about it and then and then you'll achieve it you know so it's just, yeah. maybe that's one of those those things that make us different you know? yeah mm. definitely that, that's that's something that that's kind of a recurring thing when we speak to people it's often they are obsessed and they've got just a just a you know uncomparable passion for it yeah and uh, and that's that's what drives you through 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 anything and and that's what gets you through the through the setbacks as well um so yeah that's yeah brilliant um oscar i was just gonna say because you, you you mentioned you were you were writing a book as well um so that, that's obviously everything we we kind of stand for doing this podcast it's all about listening to people's journeys and the, the advice you can give to people from your own personal experiences. Um, so uh, what, how, how do you actually learn yourself, Oscar? What, what, what kind of process do you, do you take on to, to learn yourself? Do you, do you read books? And again, that's, that's, that's a good question. I mean, the bottom line is that you learn from experience yourself. Mm-hmm. But you can always learn from other people. And it's funny enough, one of these, one of these, about three or four years ago, I was in Israel, in mm-hmm. the Sea of Galilee. You know, when they parted the sea, and then this, mm-hmm. and I've been paddling for forty-five years, kayaking, and and this woman said, "No, I, I hold my legs over the side together," and she explained why it was, and she'd been paddling for two years. And from that day, I learned from a sixty-five-year-old person that had no idea about kayaking. That's the way I'm going to teach people from that day. So I learned from somebody that had been kayaking for maybe one or two years. Mm. And that's what you've got to do. So obviously I read a lot and I, and I, I, love, I love biographies and I love only true stories. I only love true yeah. movies. I don't just read yeah. for the sake of reading. So, I'm the so. same. I'm the same. It's got, it's got to be real life. It's, you know, I'm not, not bothered okay. about these, these dragons and stuff like that. Oh, no, no. I'm not a sad <laughs> Far, whatever those people are, I'm definitely not one of those. <laughs> yeah. And and I really concentrate on on. Oh, oh, we can see you clearer now. <laughs> the last one out. Okay. Oh. I'm obviously had too much rosé. Doing a lot of things I shouldn't be doing. <laughs> or is a glass clear? How <laughs> clear? I ask you, how is the glass? <laughs> Yeah, so, so yeah, see, so I think you're never too old to learn. And even at, at my age now, uh, if somebody tells me something, uh, I sort of, I've got good filters now because there's a lot of nonsense out there that is rubbish and then there's some really good stuff. So, and, and my passion now lately has been on, on in the last 10, 10 or 12 years is, is health and what to eat and what not to eat and things like that. And I've learned from mm-hmm. the best of the best. And again, you have to learn what is good and what is bad, and you've got to learn from people, and you've got to have a good filter because there's a lot of stuff out there that isn't true and has not backed by, by science. Mm-hmm. Where I like to do it, science, and I've done all it. I mean, you can imagine competing for 40 years at the top. You've gone through every single kind of faddish diets that are out there to make you go faster, and yeah. And yeah. now it's slowly coming to roost what you should be eating and how you should be eating. And the funny thing is, uh, I've just read a book called Tripping Over the Truth. I mean, just in the, in the, in the, in the title, you realize that this is something unbelievable, that it's, it's a lot of, it makes you actually sick that the medic, big pharma and big medical are there, not to save you, they're there to make money. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so bad, you know. So mm. Tripping Over the Truth is a lot about cancer and about, that cancer is a, a metabolic disease. So if you eat correctly, most cancers, and which this is actually pisses me off, is that my cancer is not one of the cancers where you can actually eat and destroy it. Right. Uh, most, most cancers, 95% of cancers, you, if you eat the correct way and, 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 and basically starve the cancer of sugars and, and things like that, you can cure cancer. Mm-hmm. Mine's not one of those ones, but I still do a ketogenic diet with intermittent fasting just to keep my body strong so I can still compete and yeah. not yeah. compete, but uh, still train and do everything and be 
and 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 up for the challenge. You know, you've got to have sort of reserves and things like that. Yeah, mm. is is have you have you stuck to that kind of diet for quite a while, Oscar? Or have you? No, about twelve or thirteen years I've been doing that. Yeah, so that also helps you. You know, to to give example, in the Monaco when I'm racing at for thirty two miles or fifty two kilometers, I will basically have a, a good meal in the evening, nothing in the morning, nothing during the race, no water, nothing at 35, 40 degrees C. Oof. And you don't need it. You, know, you don't need it. You don't need it. Your body is such a good thing. I want my whole body to be making me go fast. So I don't want to be my body, half of my body trying to digest the food that I've just eaten. I want all my muscles to be going one way and that's fast yeah. with, no, with no hindrances of trying to, uh, metabolize water and all these things. So, I mean, I, obviously I was sponsored by every single energy drink and every single energy <laughs> food in my day. And, and then eventually realized this is not really helping. Mm. Like a somatic, maybe you think you think you're helping and then you start drinking just water. You know? And mm. that's also been a big game changer in my life mm. of, of, of not hitting the cars and not eating five times a day and, and all that nonsense, which makes food companies do well, yeah. but it doesn't make you very well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting. I've, I've actually just started uh, doing the intermittent fasting myself um, for the last month or so. And I think it's, it's been brilliant to be fair. I've, uh, I've got a lot more energy I've, I've found. And like I say, it's it, your body's not digesting food as such is it so yeah it's not working 24 hours a day you know you just <laughs> give it a break for two or three days and, and let me tell you, you feel much better and the funny thing is that when you do fast fasting uh first thing it does is takes your subcutaneous uh fat which is the fat around your stomach it just eats that first mm -hmm. and then it eats all the visceral fat which is all the fat around your organs that you have and then it also regenerates old cells that eats those so it's fantastic i mean your your body is a when they say it's a temple it actually really is a temple the, the less you feed it you don't need i mean the longest it's funny enough the, the longest fast with water is 385 days by a scottish guy in 1972 385 days water only wow he lost 180 pounds in the process but he was actually fine because yeah. most people, most people, no matter if you've got 12% body fat, you can fast for six weeks with no food, only water. And then maybe uh, some minerals, you need some minerals. Wow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, bet he was one, I bet he was one hungry guy. I bet he was hungry <laughs> at the end of that. <laughs> I mean, what happens? So your brain actually realizes that, oh, I'm not going to get eaten. I'm, I'm not getting any food. And then you actually don't get hungry. What happens is then it just works and eats its own yeah, body exactly. which has got plenty of reserves and then you like when you fast you'll, you'll ask people the first two days are difficult because you used to be eating all the time third day is easier when guys are doing 20 30 day fast they're never hungry you're actually not even hungry yeah and you've got so much time because suddenly you're not wasting time washing dishes buying and things like that you're like oh and you've got so much energy yeah. that happens yeah it's truth <laughs> Well, I'm sure people can uh, take a lot from that information. Hopefully, yeah. Um, yeah, Oscar, we're, we're kind of we're, we're coming up to uh, up to the end there, mate, and it's it's been a been an absolute pleasure. We've got a couple more questions, and then we'll uh, let you get off and have a glass of rosé with with your wife. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, yeah, Oscar, can you can you give us give us a fact about you that most people won't know if you can? Sure. What can I say? I'm very expressive and I tell everybody everything, you know, so I don't keep many yeah. secrets. And I'm one of those people that if you ask me, even I'm, I'm going to win a race and you ask me, oh, what is the best route? And I've done the route a thousand times. I'm going to give you the, the correct answer. So yeah. that's something that no other sports will do. And my wife actually gets cross because she's, how can you tell them all those secrets? <laughs> no secrets. I'll give it to me. I'm going to beat them no matter what. Yeah. So, <laughs> laughing. She's laughing in the background saying, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. How yeah. Can you, and, then, and, I, and I'll teach anybody. I'll teach the, my opposition what to do. Oh, uh, yeah, I'll teach them. My wife says I'll teach them even if they don't ask. 
Yeah, you just want to pass that knowledge on. There's not nothing wrong with that. Um, so another little one we've got here is uh, if you could invite any any person, uh, dead or alive, um, to be in this chat right now with us, uh, who would you choose and, and why? Sure, that's a hard one out of left field. I mean, it's <laughs> it's something that that it's funny that I, I never have. I never have sort of idolized that many people, but I always like people that have achieved things that seem to be impossible and have done at the old age. So if I had to, just because I haven't spoken to Tiger Woods, it would be quite fun to see how his brain would work because I, I love golf. Yeah. And obviously, Ernie Els is a good friend anyway, but I mean, it's just nice to see how somebody can come back after 13 years not winning a major then winning it. So something like that's fantastic. I mean, and, and then then seeing the, a, a person like, it's funny enough, strange, like a guy like Mike Tyson, yeah. who was like me, probably a junior whiz, which I was, and then lose it, yeah. basically, you know, and, and why do you lose it? And, and such... And again, I knew where he came from and how, how well he did and things like that. But he was a phenomenal oh, person. Yeah. Then lost it, you know. So and, and, and again, all these people, I've done exactly the opposite. I've just kept going and just kept on winning yeah. and winning and winning for 40 years. So, yeah. And it's like, why didn't they get it right? And, and it like frustrates me to see that such good talents yeah. uh, can... Uh, uh, that can happen to them, you know, so that's maybe something I'd like to, and, and again, people like Steve Jobs, I've got a great appreciation of his business acumen and what he did. And again, he did also fall from grace and then came back and then did well, you know, yeah. so he'd be something, somebody as well. So it's difficult to just like narrow it down to, yeah. to right. one right. person, you know. Yeah, you, you can have them three in there. That's fine. So we've got Steve Jobs, Tiger Woods, and Mike Tyson. That's yeah. a good trio. Yeah, yeah. I like that. <laughs> um, right, Oscar. Just just to finish on then, to 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 anyone that's kind of at the start of their journey or thinking about you know really taking control of the their own life, what what would be your kind of final piece of advice for for them? Someone getting started. I think the most important thing is that, and and, and they say, and again, I'm just repeating what other people say, but you've actually got to do it is to write down your goals mm. and then work out how you're going to achieve them. And then always be punctual and remember the most important thing in life is preparation. So make sure you've done the right preparation so that you don't never disappoint yourself without the preparation. Like you can imagine I'm with equipment and if my rudder breaks, I'm not going to win anything. So you got to make sure that everything in life is prepared so that you know that there's nothing going to fail because you've tested everything. Of course, that's still going to happen. Some person's going to run over you with a bus that went through a red robot or things like that. These things are going to happen. But prepare yourself as best as possible all the time. And if you're going to do something, do it 100%. Don't cut corners. Try and do it every time 100%. Rather do it once perfectly than five times half-heartedly it's going to take you a lot more time yeah yeah that's perfect thank awesome. you yeah thanks for that oscar that's, yeah um yeah i think that 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 comes that comes to an end really can, can you just tell us quickly where people can connect with you oscar and well and i mean the nice yeah. thing about my name oscar if you just type oscar and then start trying to spell my surname chalupski <laughs> on any media it's always i just i don't have to put one two three and four five six it's oscar chalupski and and you'll find me on instagram facebook twitter and, and on google even google have got it there so they've got everything and and uh and i'm always there to help and and as you know alex i'm fairly fast at, at replying to everybody that yeah you are mate yeah i was, I was quite uh, humbled that how you know quickly you come back to us i thought wow yeah can't wait to chat with this with this dude <laughs> yeah, thank you guys. I mean, uh, thanks, thanks for reaching out to me, and, uh, and I hope I can help you. And, and again, my door is always always open. My email is there, and whatever you need, I'm there. Yeah, 
Brilliant, mate. Awesome. We're, 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 all, uh, we're all rooting for you this end, Oscar, and I'm sure people listening are as well. And, and you are an inspiration, mate, and we're sending you strength and, and love from, from the UK as well. Yeah. Thank you very much. And uh, don't get too cold over there. <laughs> too late <laughs> for that. <laughs> You're going through winter, we're going through summer. Yeah. Enjoy, guys, and uh, really appreciate uh, chatting to you. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Thank you. Take care, Major. my friend. Thank you. Yes. Thanks for listening to another inspiring self-made story. And we hope you enjoyed the show. We would be very grateful if you could kindly leave us a review, as it will help us impact a wider audience. You can do this on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. If you want to reach out on the socials, find us across all platforms using at the Self-Made Minds Podcast. See you next time, and happy success making.